Hello, everyone. This is David Douthit. This is Molly Douthit. And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today we are covering Nature Smart and Music Smart for the 25th Sunday, and People in Self Smart for the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time Year C. We are combining two Sundays in one episode. Double the fun, but half the calories. Just Old Testament and Gospel, no psalm or epistle this time. But Amos and Luke both have much to say about where our priorities will lead us in this life and in the life to come. This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings for the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org. Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then, we encourage you to try it for yourself. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. We're glad to have you with us. If this is your first time, we're especially glad to have you here. But we're always glad to have everybody tuning in. And uh, as Molly mentioned in the intro, we're doubling up this week. We're trying to get ahead just a little bit to make it a little more useful for you. And uh, so we're giving with one hand and taking away with the other because <laughs> we're only doing two of the texts. Right. Uh, but we'll give and it our best shot. Well, and we also figured we'd do the Old Testament and the gospel because, well, how many people really actually ever preach on the psalm or the epistle? Well, I'm sure there are some. The epistle. Yeah. I, I don't do the psalm too often for preaching, but yeah. the epistle. I rarely preach on either. Anyway. 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 So uh, we've got two shows to do and uh, two sets of two intelligences that we're going to be doing then. So for Ordinary 25 Year C, we're going to be doing Music Smart and uh, Nature Smart. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting off with Music Smart. We're using Kendra Cherry's article from Very Well Mind again to summarize our smarts for the week. And uh, so Music Smart or uh, Musical Rhythmic Intelligence has strengths of rhythm and music, oddly enough. And people who have strong musical intelligence are good at thinking in patterns, rhythms, and sounds. They have a strong appreciation for music and are often good at musical composition and performance. Characteristics of musical intelligence include enjoying singing play, and playing musical instruments, recognizing musical patterns and tones easily, being good at remembering songs and melodies, and having a rich understanding of musical structure, rhythm, and notes. Potential career choices, if you're strong in musical intelligence, 
might include a musician, composer, singer, music teacher, or conductor, and around the church, perhaps choir member or uh, other church musician. That's kind of what we've got going on for Music Smart. How about the Nature Smart? Well, for Nature Smart, um, again, I'm, I'm going from uh, Very Well Mind and Kendra Cherry as well. Naturalistic intelligence is someone who finds patterns and relationships in nature. According to Gardner, who came up with this theory after he had devised the other seven, uh, individuals who are high in this type of intelligence are more in tune with nature and are often interested in nurturing, exploring the environment, and learning about other species. Uh, These individuals are said to be highly aware of even subtle changes to the environment. Characteristics of a naturalistic intelligent person would include being interested in subjects such as botany, biology, zoology, people who are good at characterizing and cataloging information, and those who may enjoy camping, gardening, hiking, and exploring the outdoors. If you're strong in naturalistic intelligence, a good career choice would probably be a biologist, a conservationist, a gardener, a farmer, a trail, river, or outdoor guide. Anybody who likes to be outside. Okay, so uh, we're going to go ahead and do the uh, Ordinary 25 texts coming right up. The Old Testament lesson for Ordinary 25 Year C is Amos 8, verses 4 through 7. This is a word of prophetic warning to those who are trampling on the needy and ruining the poor. Uh, and it's, it's a passage about folks who are being really greedy and they observe the Sabbath, but only because it, it's bad they business to. to, if they don't. Right? right. So they're just waiting for the festivals to, to stop and the Sabbath to be over so they can get back to cheating people by golly. <laughs> and that's what they're about. Um, uh, buying the poor for, silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of wheat. So the Lord will not forget what they have done. We're looking at music smart, as I mentioned before. So thinking about cheating, basically, in a musical context, I thought of music producers and managers, because there are so many stories of artists who get... Um, shafted shafted is a good word um, by their management Mm. and so uh, for an illustration stories of musicians being exploited like dream girls for example the musical the movie um, that's a great example where the the talent is just uh, getting can i say it screwed over by their uh, by their management Mm -hmm. and that's the kind of thing that we're looking at um Another illustration might be Carrie Underwood's song, Before He Cheats. There's a song about uh, her knowing that her man is out with another woman. He's out, probably out at a bar picking up some floozy. <laughs> and the chorus is about uh, she herself then trashing his pickup. Oh. <laughs> so that he'll think before he cheats next time. I see. Uh that or any number of a million other <laughs> particularly country songs right uh, about <laughs> cheating right so oh, it's oh hey lemonade 
Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beyonce's album. Absolutely. So lots and lots of songs. I, I thought that, that this one was kind of fun. Um, gets a little dark, but, you know, <laughs> uh, there's that. So um, songs about cheating and getting caught. Uh, for a special effect, you might choose some villainous music to play in the background as you're reading the text or discussing the motivations of the uh, the cheating uh, folks that are the target of the text, um, the villains of Israel, as it were. So I've got a couple of links for you. One is a, a video with 10 uh, villain themes that mm. you could try. Hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, the Imperial March. Oh, and, that's the first one I thought of. Yeah, and, and a bunch of other stuff from movies. right? And then an article with a list of another 10 themes. Some of them are the same. Uh, and uh, some of the embedded videos there, uh, they're broken links now, but you can track them down. But um, that one includes, I think, the theme from Jaws, for example. Oh, wow. And, yeah. uh, um, uh, the the Kraken theme from the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Mm -hmm. So some very dramatic uh, villainous music. Or you could go for something more like Snidely Whiplash, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, just, just those musical cues in the background um, to let people know, oh, it's the villain. Yep. How about Nature Smart? Well, as I read through that, thinking, looking at it through the uh, lens of nature, um, the thought that occurred to me is that the exploitation of the world's resources for private gain is nothing new, and that the poor always seem to be the ones that suffer for it, mm -hmm. which is uh, essentially Amos's point uh, in this particular um, prophecy. Uh, that also got me to thinking about t uh, times in history where uh, the, the the land has been overproduced and overexploited. And it got me to thinking about the Dust Bowl that happened in the 1930s here in the mm. United States. It was partially due to overworking the fields in the Great Plains. Um, I've got some links to uh, a couple different places about the Dust Bowl. Um uh, one at history.com and one at how stuff works. And from history.com, uh, I've got this quote that says, beginning with World War One, American wheat harvests flowed like gold as demand boomed, lured by record wheat prices and promises by land developers that rain follows the plow. Farmers powered by new gasoline tractors overplowed and overgrazed the southern plains. When the drought and Great Depression hit in the early 30s, the wheat market collapsed. Once the oceans of wheat, which replaced the sea of prairie grass that anchored the topsoil into place, dried up, the land was defenseless against the winds that buffeted the plains. And there are uh, different things in each of these, these links, these three links about how um, the, the dust was just insidious. Mm, and that yeah, yeah. people would uh, clean off the roofs of their houses after a dust storm, but they didn't realize it would seep into the house. Oh, and yeah. so their attics would fill up with dust oh, and their gosh. ceilings would ceilings would collapse. Oh, jeez. Also, people wound up with um, uh, lung diseases that were similar to uh, the... Black lung. Black lung, Yeah. Uh, it was it was awful. Yeah. Um, so that's a fairly unpleasant. <laughs> uh, well, so, so the exploitation of the land bringing ruin is yeah. kind of the point of the text. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
And well, and it w- w- what made me think about it was the uh, um, so we may offer wheat for sale. We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit mm. with false balances. Um, so it made me think of. Uh, just essentially exploiting exploitation, and yeah. while the, the the Dust Bowl may not necessarily um, have been blatant exploitation like that, it was certainly unwise land practices yeah. at the, at the yeah. at, if, if for the sake of profit over the over um, you know the land. Okay, let's go on. All right. The gospel passage for Year C Ordinary Twenty Five is uh, from Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. This is one of the most um, puzzling parables (laughs) that Jesus has ever told. It's the parable of the unjust steward. Uh, So he's talking to his disciples about a rich man who had a manager who hears that his manager is be skimming something or not at least not dealing well with his property and so he tells him you're not going to be my manager any longer and so the guy's like dang audit. yeah uh what will i do now that my master is taking the position away from me i'm not strong enough to dig i'm ashamed to beg oh i know what i will do and so uh, summons his, his debtors one by one, says, what do you owe? The person tells him, he says, sit down and tell him you owe him only half of it. And just kind of goes through the line like that. Um, and the master commends this manager because he's been acting shrewdly. He's also still ripping him off. Yeah. <laughs> but he's at least impressed by the fact that he's ingratiated himself mm-hmm. with all these other people. Uh, and so Jesus says to the, the disciples, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm of the opinion, frankly, that Luke just smooshed two things <laughs> together here, frankly. No, I've been right. working on it. I've been thinking about it. I okay, have. Yeah, well, maybe yeah, you'll yeah. have something for it. So anyway. That's that's the parable. I, no I slave can serve two masters. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, slave will either hate the one, love the other, be divide, devoted to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And the NRSV says wealth, mm-hmm. not mammon, because who's that? <laughs> so, um, for nature smart, this passage and the Amos passage includes a lot a double dealing with food, a practice that really hasn't changed all that much in some places in the world. Um, verses five and seven is where I am. I found my that the first illustration about uh, summoning the debtors and saying, "How much do you owe?" Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, say cut it in half. It's this much. Um, it got me thinking about price price fixing. So I went and found a link about price fixing at Quora.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, uh, price fixing is establishing a price per whatever for uh, produce, oil, um, grain, corn, wheat, beans, soybeans, things like that. Commodities. Commodities. Yes, thank you. Um, and so you, as a producer of such commodities, will know that you can expect to be paid X number of dollars because the price has been fixed at this thing. Because it's almost, I mean, you really can't put a dollar amount on each individual grain. Right. So you kind of right. have to go by weight or volume. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, the steward is practicing outright fraud in changing the amounts owed, but we might presume that there was a fixed price for the containers of wheat and the jugs of oil and whatever else uh, was owed, owed the rich man. So there's, that's where I found a connection to, uh, to nature smart. But then I was looking at it again a little later and at verse nine, where it talks about eternal homes and true riches. Uh, so bear with me here. The earth is the eternal home and true riches are what it produces. Everything in front of us comes from the earth, wood, for tables, furniture, houses, etc., like uh, etc., metals and alloys from ore in the ground, plastics from petroleum or oil. Everything we have is from the earth, and even though we may be poisoning it, it will last long beyond us. This is the true riches, our earth. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking for nature smart within the parable itself, I just kind of stepped back a little bit and thought that, you know, everything that the the rich man in the parable owned came from the earth mm-hmm. and everything we own comes from the earth. Mm-hmm. Some combination of it with chemical improvements and, and uh, you know, things added to it to make it a little more flexible or durable, but it all comes from the earth. That is sure. our eternal home and the true riches of life come from the earth. Yeah. So there's a, a school of thought in in Jewish tradition, as I understand it, that the the age to come uh, is actually the renewal of the earth to the uh, to its pristine condition before the fall. Okay. And you don't go to heaven God dwells on earth well, with Well, that would be Revelation with, with a new Jerusalem coming to the but, earth. But no. it's not a new one. It's this one renewed. Okay. Uh, so, well, and that's what so Paul that talks about. Creation groaning for redemption. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. So, um, so that, I mean, that's, that's a very orthodox way. Hmm. Well, I don't know if it's orthodox, Jewish orthodox, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's within the field of of acceptable theology to say that earth would be our eternal home. Hmm. Not the usual Christian uh, way of thinking, but not a bad one. We, we'd do better to the earth if we thought oh, of it that certainly, way. Certainly, yes. We would do much less violence to it if we didn't think of it in the Christian terms. Right. Yeah. Anyway, what have you okay. got for music? For music, let's see, make sure I got the right one here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for music smart again, thinking about um, cheating managers in the business in the music business. I mean, uh, when you think of corrupt industries, the music industry has got to be at the top oh, of the list, right? Yeah. So I've got entertainment for sure, right? So I've got an article uh, from LA Weekly, and. Um, it's filled with profanity, so sorry about that. But it it's a list of ten cheating record managers, recording managers, um, Elvis Presley's manager, Jeez, uh, yeah. you know, and Bob Dylan's recording manager, Aerosmith's recording manager. All of them cheated them out the waz. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you could you know pull some of the stuff from the from the stuff from Amos too, because it's very similar. 
But uh, anyway, that that would be by way of illustration. And then, um, like Winnie the Pooh, I had a poem that came to me (laughs) (laughs) to sort of summarize the the article in poetry. And uh, I, I came up with a limerick to tell the story. A manager cheated his master and got caught, so he had to think faster. Take your bill, mark it down. When I'm fired, I'll come round. Thus he shrewdly averted disaster. Oh, lovely, lovely. (laughs) Very good, very good. So you have to know the story for the poem to make sense, of course. But, uh, you know, there it is. Just a little bit of of rhythm and poem to get people's attention. And if you don't like mine, by all means, feel free to come up with your own. Indeed. All right. Well, let's go back to the beginning and do the other uh the other sun or the, the other pfft. well we're all right going, let's start over <laughs> and we're going to re- week 26 so right. we're going back to the future wait i can't can we say that <laughs> <laughs> it's an homage it's an homage yes, it's an homage all right here we go all right all right here we are back at the top i'll be talking about self smart which is also known as intra personal intelligence, uh, using again, Very Well Mind, an article by Kendra Cherry. The strengths of a self-smart person are introspection and self-reflection. Individuals who are strong in this intelligence are good at being aware of their own emotional state, feelings, and motivations. They tend to enjoy self-reflection and analysis, including daydreaming, exploring relationships with others, and assessing their own personal strengths. The characteristics of intrapersonal intelligence include good at analyzing one's own strengths and weaknesses, enjoys analyzing theories and ideas, excellent self-awareness, and clearly understands the basis for their own motivations and feelings. If you're strong in intrapersonal intrapersonal intelligence, a good career choice might be a philosopher, a writer, a theorist, a scientist, and in the church, you're probably a counselor. Somebody who's got a pretty good grasp of your or own place. Yeah, or your, yeah. a theologian, yes. Uh, but a counselor, somebody's got a pretty good grasp of your own emotional state. So you are a, a good well from other people to draw. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's self smart. What have you got for people? People smart using the same article. Uh, this is interpersonal intelligence. So the strengths for people smart include understanding and relating to other people. Those who have strong interpersonal intelligence are good at understanding and interacting with other people. These individuals are skilled at assessing the emotions, motivations, desires, and intentions of those around them. Characteristics of interpersonal intelligence include being good at communicating verbally, being skilled at nonverbal communication, seeing situations from different perspectives, creating positive relationships with others, and being good at resolving conflict in groups. Potential career choices would include being psychologist, philosopher, counselor, salesperson, politician, and if you roll all of those together, you get pastor. So... (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, those would be all the positive characteristics for people smart. It's possible to go to the dark side, of course, with uh, sure. with people smart and uh, use your motivational skills for evil. But don't don't do, <laughs> don't that. do that. Okay, onward. All right. So not only have we gone back to the top, uh, we're actually sort of going back in the book of Amos for the Old Testament lesson for Year C, Ordinary 26. Uh, we've uh, gone back two chapters to Amos 6, verse 1a, and then leaping on to verses 4 through 7. Uh, this is kind of, mm, it really more sets up what's coming on later in Amos. So, uh, alas for those who are at ease in Zion. Alas for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and, like David, improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Mm. Therefore they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the lounger shall pass away. I see why this is complimentary, considering what the lection, the uh, mm -hmm. gospel passage is. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, st that was the entire Amos passage just then, by the way. Um, so, uh, sticking with Amos and self-smart, uh, up until the verse 6b, the uh, it kind of sounds like the life of Riley, which mm. according to um, the grammarist, the life of Riley means living the easy life, an existence marked by luxury and a carefree attitude. So, um, you have that until verse 6, 6, 6, 6b and verse 7. So, to illustrate this, while he did not lounge and sing idle songs or drink wine from bowls, mm. Ebenezer Scrooge was not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. He was not at all concerned about the fate of the poor until his dreams showed him what he had become without concern for those around him. And so when he wakes up from his dreams and is, uh, is so relieved to find out he had a chance to live his life differently, he chose to do so. Uh, and while we don't see him explicitly uh, making room for the poor in his new way of living, one might presume that that's on its mm. way. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because he's mending relationships with those who are estranged from him. So... Uh, well, he he does make a, a contribution to the portly gentleman. Oh, this is true. So this is he, true. Uh, yes, and uh, right. with quite a few back payments included. Oh well, and there you not go. A penny I forgot less. about that part. Yes. All right. So you have Ebenezer Scrooge as a uh, um, before and after kind of mm -hmm. illustration for this particular uh, passage from Amos, particularly the before part. And it also made me think about the Roaring Twenties, mm. that decade in American history that disappeared when the global stock market collapsed in the 1930s. There was a lot of um, high living in that time as well, with sure very, very little care or concern for the, the poor among us. Um, it also made me think of the Gilded Age, which mm -hmm. was the era of the robber barons and a great deal of economic disparity and mm -hmm. our own time. Mm -hmm. So there mm -hmm. you go. Have fun with that. Um, so uh, the, the self smart um, in that would be 
the concern for the ruin of Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, the the being able to see what's going on in the culture and 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 being aware of your own response and reaction to it. Where does your heart lie in all of this? Where 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 are you finding passion and and a way of uh, responding to what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, a special effect. Uh, ask your folks to consider this uh, in in the in the quiet of their own hearts. Great prosperity can mask a lot of cracks in the foundations. Uh, particularly if you think of the Roaring Twenties. They were building, 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 but the foundation, the economic foundation, was a little shaky, and as the decade went on, it got really bad. So consider the strength of your own foundation, your values, your character, your ideals. How does prosperity add to that foundation? How does prosperity diminish them? Hmm which would have been a good question for Amos to have asked the people Indeed. to whom he is preaching. Yeah. Well, People Smart is not too far off from all of that. It's a little more, I mean, it's more outwardly focused, obviously, but, um, but still the, the dealing with the disparity between the rich and the poor. The first thing that came to my mind was the, uh, uh, commercial from a couple of years ago of the Russian oligarch who was doing something for, I don't know, a television service provider, I think was the commercial. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's surrounded, he's in his apartment surrounded by gold and eating golden grapes from a golden bowl. And he starts the commercial off. Opulence. Yeah, I has it. And goes walking through, and he's talking about his opulence. And um, as he chooses which golden bust of himself, he likes this one. And uh, sits down, and he's talking about the deal that he can get from this television. You know, as he his uh, lady servant holds out a a tray full of gold bars with a remote on top, and as I I'll take this deal. You know, and. And, and then he has the miniature uh, giraffe, a miniature pet giraffe sitting beside him on a pillow. And, you know. <laughs> Jeez, a wheeze. So, you know, it, the idea is I am so rich because I make deals like getting this wonderful television system, you know. You don't remember that commercial? I do not wow. remember that at all. Well, I've got the link for it, okay, so you can I'll look it up. I'll go watch it later. It's funny. <laughs> um, and they brought him back a couple of times. Anyway, it, it seems to be an historically popular pastime among the common people at the opposite end to speak ill of the well-to-do because they are well-to-do. And uh, perhaps because oh they, oh, they don't have to work at all, you know, mm-hmm. uh, money for nothing, um, oh, dire straits, yes. music smart. Oops. oops. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, and this passage is not that. It's not bad-mouthing the rich just because they're rich. And again, that, we find that in that verse 6 because it, they are not grieved about the ruin. Right? And that's what makes a difference. That's why this is a judgment statement against the well-to-do 
who, who don't care about the well-being of the nation. So um, I, I came across a, an opinion piece, uh, and it's sort of related, but um, it's from medium.com, and it's about how the rich and the poor think differently, think and act differently about all sorts of stuff, you know, it, it, some, mostly mindset sort of things that the rich are uh, focused on their goal and, the, you know, they spend time on their goal while the, the poor um, are, are less so. And, you know, it's it just it's uh, 17 things, I think, okay. uh, or a dozen. I don't know. It's a bunch. Um, and one of the things I that I was thinking when I was reading it was, well, yeah, I guess um, I'm not among the rich because I, you know, I, I I had a lot of the poor things going through my, you know, the way I, and we am more like that probably. Uh, So um, when we talk about the disparity between the rich and the poor, uh, depending on where you are on the scale, Mm -hmm. I think has a lot to do with how you perceive the other end of the scale. Mm-hmm. But what really the passage is saying, and, and that would be the conversation piece about For that article, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but what's what the prophet is getting at is what are you doing about the, the common good mm-hmm. and about the righteousness uh, with whatever it is that you have? Mm-hmm. And that's the conversation, I think. So, yeah. Okay. Let's go on. The gospel lesson for year C, ordinary 26, is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus from Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. So, uh, Jesus is telling the story the rich man dressed in purple and fine linen and feasting sumptuous every, sumptuously every day. Lazarus is at the man's gates, covered with sores and longing to eat the scraps from his table. And uh, the dogs come and lick his sores. They both die. And the man is in torment in Hades and sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And calls out and oh, come on, you guys know this. Forget it. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. Um, so he's in torment and and Lazarus is comforted. And there it is. And uh, no, no one coming back from the dead will change anyone's mind if they haven't read the prophets and Moses about it. So, okay. Uh, people smart. The man, the rich man suffers from the mindset described by Martin Buber, I think, in I and Thou. Mm-hmm. Namely, and we've talked about this before, but namely the when we are in our sinful way of being, we think of the world in terms of me and it. And anything that's not me has value only for what it can do for me. And that's kind of his mindset. Even when he's in Hades in torment, he right. still thinks of Lazarus right. as, as an, it. an it to help me. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it's not until we have a transforming experience of the Holy One who will not be it for anyone and can only rightly be addressed as thou with a capital T. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we reorient ourselves from me to I in our right relationship with God and our relationships 
are transformed then from me, it, to I, and thou. Thou to God with capital T, thou to those around us with small t. And uh, that transformation does not happen for the man in nope. the parable. Not at all. Uh, but that that that's a way to think about it. And uh, then, you know, you press on from there to think to encourage people to think about their own I, thou, me, it relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? Another illustration that came to mind was Disney's animated movie, and I suppose the live action version, which I have not seen, of Beauty and the Beast. So the Beast was once a rich man who treated people shabbily because he had an inflated sense of his own importance. And a witch comes along and punishes him with a spell that changes him into a hideous beast, but also turned all the servants in his house into living objects, plates, cups, clocks, candlesticks, and so on. And while that is entirely unfair to the household staff— yeah. It was a manifestation of the master's regard for them, hmm. that they were just objects for his use. And I never thought about that until this very day. Wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. It, it was only then when the beast learned to love another intrinsically that the spell was broken. And, and they, they all became, all people, became again. people again. Huh. Hey, who knew that Disney was that deep? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's probably more the source material than Disney oh, okay. itself. All right. Yeah. All right. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So then uh, one other thought for a special effect uh, very quickly would be to do this as a reader's theater presentation. Uh, you've got Jesus slash narrator. You've got the rich man, Lazarus, maybe some angels, Abraham, and maybe some dogs. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe not. And and there is a there is a little bit from Godspell that that yeah. does this. So if you're looking for a yeah, script, yeah. you can go. Or if you have a, a Godspell script, you can look that up. Yep. So, all right. Well, as David has already mentioned, the rich man still just doesn't quite get it. Uh, we're now looking at self smart. Even after ignoring Lazarus and life, he continues to ignore Lazarus and death. He continues to think just barely beyond his own nose and asking for warnings for his brothers to avoid his fate. Uh, So there are some definite topsy-turvy results here in this story, the way Jesus tells it, of the man who had everything and Lazarus who had nothing. And in the afterlife, it's completely switched around. Mm -hmm. Uh, That got me to thinking about a couple movies, well, a movie and a story. Um, the movie Trading Places, back mm-hmm. from the 80s, where Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd were swapped out uh, because of a bet from a couple other people mm-hmm. uh, in their company. Stadler and Waldorf. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Don Amici and yeah. other guy. And the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so they, they trade places, and uh, so there's a great deal of... Um, uh, introspection and self-revelation mm-hmm. in in this uh, particular movie. It's based apparently on the story The Prince and the Pauper mm-hmm. by Mark Twain, uh, which was also made into a movie with Errol Flynn. Ah, and, and Mickey Mouse. Yes, that too. Not in the same no, version. No, not in the same movie. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, The Prince and the Pauper um, being two identical people 
oddly enough, mm-hmm. who switch places. One who is a prince who now lives life as a pauper, a pauper who now lives life as a prince, and each of them discovering they don't really care for it very much. No. So uh, there's some self-smart um, uh, illustration there of of desiring and wanting something, getting it, and finding out it ain't all that it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the topsy-turvy nature of this parable. Um, so for a special effect, in terms of the parable, ask these questions. Ponder, have folks ponder these questions. If you were the rich man in the story, who is your Lazarus? Ooh. Ooh. If you wow. are Lazarus wow. in this story... Do you feel rewarded I'm in the not afterlife? Dead yet. Well, <laughs> if you were Lazarus on the other side, ah. do you feel rewarded? Mm. Why or why not? If you are Abraham in this story, mm. how would you respond to the rich man's request, number one, for relief, and number two, for the warning? Mm. Well, that's those are some interesting questions for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our podcast for today. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or tweet us at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions, or maybe got an idea you like better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart.